0: Hi, my name's Ian Beaton. You're about to listen to everyday people from differing backgrounds, but with one thing in common, a story. A story of adversity, a story of inspiration, a story of laughter, sometimes a story of sadness, or simply a story to make you think. I believe everyone has a story, I also believe that story should be shared. Welcome to So Watch Your Story. Welcome to another episode of So Watch Your Story. And in the studio with me today, I have a amazing woman, um, Laura Besserut Broad. And Laura is the managing director currently of the Matchmaker UK. And I don't take pay that lightly because the Matchmaker UK is an incredible... Um, what should we call it, Laura? I mean, I want to call it a dating agency, but it's a bit more than that, isn't it? Good morning, Ian. Good morning. Um, I'm
1: Laura Besbrode, and I'm the MD of The Matchmaker UK, which is a personal introduction agency. We're very bespoke, yeah. and we work in the space of personal introductions for people who are single for whatever yeah, reason. Yes,
0: that, now that's a much better introduction than identity. That totally... Places where people would have been thinking, oh yes, yeah, swipe, let's swipe right. You know, that's not you. So um, she's an entre- she's entrepreneurial by nature and spirit. And, as- and this this journey has taken Laura on an interesting path through her life. She was previously managing director of Social Sugar social sugar show social which is a media pr agency she was also founder of jma which was the jewish media agency managing director there and also interestingly managing director and founder of another media agency which the um title made me smile um, sticky fingers international <laughs> <laughs> She's very well travelled, of course, and has featured across the world's media, uh, including but not exclusive to, and has been interviewed by on on Real Housewives, Women, BBC, MTV, Talk Radio, and a whole host of other things. Recently, come back from from America, a trip to America. Um, but but in today's episode, we're, we're not just here to talk about, and you know, we don't want to play it down, Laura's success, but we also want to talk about her her explore her younger life because. Laura escaped, um, I don't think there's a better word for it than an escape, um, quite a an abusive marriage. Um, and she found herself landing in the UK with her three children and nothing more than a suitcase. She now lives a peaceful and happy and successful life, of course, in Cheshire, in the northwest of England. So welcome to So Watch His Story, Laura. Um, fab to have you with us in the remote studio um let's talk about your story then. shall we Shall we, shall we go back to growing up and, and all of that sort of thing sure sure um you know I grew up um I am one of life's
1: I, how, how can I put this let, let me rephrase this I've moved a lot <laughs> I've moved 36 times so when you say let's go back I'm thinking oh, <laughs> where does Ian want me to go back 36 times. so I don't know well, on earth do I go back to? Well, I was born in the Midlands in rugby. Um, I'm the daughter of... And my, my father's retired. He's a pharmacist. And, um, you know, lots of, lots of moves with his career and a fantastic family life and was raised in Nottinghamshire. And the big city lights of London were calling me and I decided that I was going to be an actress. And I went to London to start my career in my late teens to be an actress. And progressed into, um, I kind of landed on my feet mid to late 80s and worked my way up through one of still one of the UK's leading uh, PR agencies which is Freud's. I had the pleasure of working on celebrity PR an amazing account sort of global brands and literally lived the dream life in the late 80s to end of the 90s in PR heading up incredible events looking after incredible clients. on name drop like spice girls david beckham i worked on brands that people have heard of like mulberry and smirnov and pepsi and i mean i can carry on because it was a glittering
0: time and i can can imagine i can imagine there was a i can imagine there was a lot of parties and a lot of high energy and a lot of a disgraceful a disgraceful amount of parties and
1: all i can say (laughs) which people will probably chuckle at is thank goodness there was no social media back then you know, there were no mobile phones. There was no social media. It was a sort of a hedonistic time. We used to sort of pitch for accounts and sleep under our desks in the middle of pitches. And, you know, there were so many things that just aren't allowed in the workplace now that were just the norm. You know, we just kind of just worked long hours
0: and partied long yeah. hours. Uh, it was yeah. great. Yeah. And and then, then obviously, you know, did life just sort of What what happened then? Because you 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 were living this you know this this life, this fast paced life, um, super exciting, working with some amazing brands, clients, everything else. Did you meet someone? Is that is that super great, super great life? And one of my clients introduced me to
1: the gentleman that then became my husband and. Um, I'm British and he is German and, you know, we dated and then we got engaged very quickly and got married and had our first child in London. And we were still, you know, I was still very much uh, it's a sort of little little side thing. I was still doing um, working sort of some acting, but primarily working and focusing in PR and um, he was building his career. And the opportunity came for us a couple of years after living in London and married and with our, with our first child being sort of a toddler, with the opportunity to relocate with his work to his home city of Munich. So we moved to Munich. Um, I want to say, uh, two, gosh, let me think, about 2002, I want to say. So we had been together for a number of years and we had a toddler and we moved to Munich. And I could not replicate my incredibly fantastic, amazing glitterati of a PR career in Munich at that time because I didn't have German at Mm. all. I couldn't speak Mm. German. Even though English was um, being spoken um, in the workplace, it wasn't spoken in the daily work environment. And so I, and I arrived unbeknown to me I arrived pregnant with my son and so it was a it was a really tricky time you know my son was created just after 9-11 when the world had literally tilted on its axis and times were crazy then it was strange Uh, work was different and we I had not realised that I was pregnant with my son. I was six weeks pregnant with my son. I had a toddler aged 18 months when I literally landed in a different country in the winter. And my husband at the time was a man who, he was in a global role. He literally, you know, our bags arrived and off he went you know, with his work, and I was literally left in a different country. And that was kind of my life for a couple of very, very miserable, lonely years. I had my son in a different country. It was quite terrifying for all sorts of different reasons. You know, I'm British Jewish. I battled with lots of demons. um, And... There were so many encounters that I just wasn't prepared for, because I'd lived this really hedonistic, quite self-centred life in London. You know, like a lot of my peers, it was very much, in the 90s, it was very much about us and partying and living our best life, and then all of a sudden I became a wife, which is what I really wanted in my late 20s, and I wanted, you know, I wanted to have, you know, I'll use the word settle down, but I wanted to be a wife, I wanted to be a mother, and I was very blessed, because my first child came along quite quickly, and then, you know, I was surprised with my my second child. So my oldest daughter is now turning 23. My son is 21. We can, we can get to them later on. Um, and um, so for two very lonely years, I couldn't work in PR. I didn't know what to do with myself. There was no such thing as social media. And so I used to drag my lonely self um, to coffee mornings where I would find these sort of English-speaking mothers. I had nothing in common with these people except for the fact that they spoke English and they had, you know, baby or a toddler and I did that Um, I hated it and I then decided to invite people to my place and you know I am an entrepreneur I've got an entrepreneurial brain I'm always looking for the hustle you know how can I make things better for myself And I went when it got to the point where I had 60 women coming to my house. You know, my husband at the time said to me, for God's sake, find somewhere else. Take these people out of the home that I'm paying for. They're wrecking the place. So I rented a space uh, in Germany. You know, it was a kindergarten and um, we outgrew that. I then had 100 people coming and I then used all of my savings. I found nobody would lend me any money. in in Munich because I wasn't German. Nobody would give me any money and I found a space and within, by 2003, so my, my son had been born. He was a baby, so I had a toddler and a baby and I found a space in the heart of Munich using every penny that I had. I built, um, an international play centre, which was four big rooms kitted out with all sorts of different play equipment. And one room was the craft room, one was the cookery room, one was the dance room. And um, unbeknown to me, I was was kind of replicating sort of the preschool early years in the UK um, with no teacher training or whatever. I just wanted to create an environment where parents and um, children could come along that were English, that were expats. And then that became very interesting to the German market. And for five years, we were getting 200 children a week with their parents to my premises. It was the landing destination for anyone that arrived in Germany. We did events at the weekend, parties, you name it. I did ballet classes, yoga classes, evening classes, um, anything and everything to use this facility. My children grew up through it. I had a very lonely marriage um, and my husband was always away and this is how I filled my days. Very, very busy um,
0: for many years. And, and, and whilst this is all going on, which is incredible, by the way, I mean, you know, just just does actually you know personify your entrepreneurial spirit. Whilst this is going on, would it be fair to say that, Laura, during the opening hours of the business, you were probably a happy bunny? You know, I, I was in a very lonely marriage. Um
1: you know, I was married to a narcissist. I didn't even know what that word meant. It wasn't a thing. You didn't have social media with all of these memes that could sort of explain and quotes and things that you learned about. I didn't know what I was going through. I didn't know about being isolated and manipulated. Coercive abuse was not a named thing. Um, you know, it's now something that can be named in, in divorce. It, these were words that I had never heard of. Um, I am... Uh, my personality type I'm an empath I'm a giver I'm a fixer and you know I you know looking back on it was trying to you know I I was you know very very in love with my husband um, and wanted very much to make my marriage work but you know I wasn't happy he wasn't happy with me he wasn't a kind person to me. I was very lonely. I was very controlled. And my personality, unfortunately, um, outside of the home, I was able to be me. But inside of the home, I wasn't able to be me. And I spent many, many, many lonely years um, trying to fix my marriage, trying to fill lots of gaps and spaces with this incredibly busy business. So on the one hand, I had this phenomenally successful International business, where you know people would come from all over the world. They, they either either the husband or the wife or the boyfriend or the girlfriend would have their work commitment in Munich, and the other one would find solace having a ready made friendship group and an environment to take their child, which is what I'd never had in the first sort of two lonely years. So I loved the fact that I'd created this safe, safe, incredible space for other people, and you know, I literally would get up in the morning, you know take my, my younger kids first of all would be in the business. Then they went, went to kindergarten and then and then German school. And this this carried on and I was in this this bubble that enabled me to sort of um, you know fulfill myself in some respects. You know and and again I was quite lonely in the business because everybody was benefiting from that. But I literally was the person running it. Yeah. And I, I built it and I had staff and um and I I was still very, very lonely and one day he came back and announced I was desperate to come back to the UK, missed my family. I have a very close knit family, missed all my friends, you know, my life in London. I missed so much. But Munich in itself is a beautiful city. So on the one hand, it was sort of a bit of a double edged sword because I was living this incredibly healthy, beautiful life because it's very different to the UK with an incredible infrastructure because their their health system is incredible. The private health system over there, the outdoor life that I had, we were so much more healthier and the Alps were 45 45 minute drive away. And we had this really healthy lifestyle. Yeah, I was so unhappy in my marriage. So it really was quite conflicting. You know, I, I, um, you know, I would Orientate towards Jewish people that were expats. You know, I sort of went to the Jewish community, and I wasn't particularly religious or observant at all in in the UK. But it became more sort of important to me because I couldn't access it while I was away. So there were many things that I was missing, and I really wanted to come home desperately. And my family knew all this. They knew over the years that we were away, which was nearly a decade, how desperately unhappy I was away. One day, my um, husband came home and said. I've got an opportunity, I've been headhunted to the UK, we're moving back. It was literally, it wasn't a, what do you think? It was, this is what's happening. And I'm thinking, well, how the hell do I run the business? And the infrastructure that people are so familiar with now, like Zoom, like Teams, to be able to work internationally so easily, remotely from their homes, it just didn't exist. 2008, we were back in the UK. The UK um, was in the midst of, the world was in the midst of a financial crisis we moved back I had two two young children and 2008 so my eldest was eight and my son was six and unbeknown to me aged 40 I was pregnant and so that first year back in the UK I had to manage my international business remotely I had three miscarriages I discovered, um, well really what was proven to me was that my husband who had cheated historically through our entire marriage had been having an affair in Hong Kong and um, I lost my marbles. You know, my business overseas, it was impossible. I managed to convince a manager to try and run it remotely. And um, by the time I'd had the second miscarriage in my 40th year, um, I flew out to Munich and I, I tried to find a buyer for the business the business was me, you know, people wanted me and my personality and my drive, you know, how do you sell that? And I didn't have the knowledge and I didn't have the contacts that I have now, you know, where you can package up the whole commodity and sell it as a brand. It just, the world wasn't like that then. It didn't have a social media footprint. It had none of the (laughs) things that people have now. So I broke up the equipment. I went out there after the second miscarriage. I, um, I, I found a way to sort of sell stuff off. And obviously I took a terrible loss and um, then I got pregnant again after I'd separated um, and I lost that baby. It was all obviously these 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 three miscarriages. I'd never lost a baby before in my life. Um, and thank you. I, I was devastated. And the National Health said, we won't do anything for you until you've lost more than three. And... When I, when I was pregnant for the third time, I flew to Munich to see my gynaecologist who had delivered my son. And again, I have to sort of highlight the incredible um, advanced gynaecological support that was already in existence there that I had never ever experienced in the UK. And they tested me, they tested my blood, they told me what was wrong and why I was losing the babies. And they said, you know, if only you'd have been given, uh, you know, these various hormones and so on and so forth, perhaps your second or third pregnancy, who knows? When I got pregnant for the fourth time, I took myself to Harley Street and I paid a small fortune to keep my fourth pregnancy, which was in fact my sixth pregnancy, in. And I battled, age 41, to keep my pregnancy. I nearly lost Pixie at 28 weeks, but I can safely say that I had Pixie, my third child, my sixth pregnancy, in my 41st year, and she is 13. And um, so I had a shattered business, a broken marriage, but I got my third beautiful baby. And um, we were in the UK for four years. Um, By the second year, my husband announced that he was taking a new job in Switzerland and left the family home and moved to Switzerland and left me with a baby. Two young kids who, you know, fitting into all of that was the getting those children settled into English schools, having my son had never been in the UK. My, my youngest daughter. So my older children, my, my, cho- my older children have had 11 house moves and schools, it, almost the same amount of schools, Um a phenomenal amount of change and disruption. And, you know, I'm having to learn new teachers, new styles. New, it, it just never seemed to end this continued chaos. Of our family life, uh, and yet on the outset, you know, we were very sociable. Nobody knew what was going on at all.
0: When you when you talk about, and I don't want to go down the rabbit hole here, but when you talk about the narcissist being in control of the relationship, you know, th- this is one of the ways that that, that that their personality trait feeds on. On, and unfortunately, they love to feed off an empath.
1: Absolutely, the knowledge. That's right. I mean, you know, the knowledge, you know, looking back now, how isolated I was, how it was always my fault. And my personality during all of this time was being more and more eroded. My unhappiness, my mental health, you know, and I went for therapy and I went for support and I had my um, when I got pregnant with Pixie we didn't spend any time featuring the fact that he had been repeatedly unfaithful and that I had caught him being unfaithful. We didn't spend any time and healing on that because it was all hands on deck. Let's keep this baby in. Let's get this baby born. I had Pixie by emergency C-section. I was incredibly ill through the pregnancy, trying to keep her in with all the drugs. They made me inject drugs day, day in, day out. And I had to inject, continue to inject I think heparin and progesterone, and it was all so invasive to keep this baby. And then she was born with very complex health issues. And again, I was absorbed with the raising of the two older children who had, you know, their stuff going on and their development requirements. The fracture of the business, the fact that I wasn't working, uh, a husband who had moved to a different country, and a, a little girl who was a baby and a little girl who had incredibly demanding uh, medical requirements for me, to, and that took you know it took me years to get her through that. So, I, while all of this was going on, and I, when I went, <laughs> here, here's the kicker. I had a very brief time when we lived in Surrey then and I had a very brief time of having a taste of what being a housewife was like because, you know, I was raising the three children and it, for two years it didn't work. Of course, I say it didn't work I was being a full-time mother to three very young children back in a different country. In that first year when I had my three miscarriages and my business imploded and I, you know, we moved four times. What? We moved house four times times the house that we that the relocation agents had got us was a disaster that went wrong we then moved and anyway it was four house moves in that first year I mean when I look back it is amazing that I held on to my sanity and it and, and, and only just um, I I would never wish what I went through on anybody but I managed to to keep my children fed clothes and all the rest of it and then in the midst of all that I from 2008 back in the UK I taught myself digital marketing because I knew that PR was changing traditional PR was changing and I needed to learn how to remarket my business my my clients digitally which I did which I learned and I built consultancy so I was consulting privately for for clients during all of this, because, again, I was financially controlled and I needed to have my own money. And this was the only way that I could sort of get money, hide money from him and have, you know, he, he left the family home and went to Switzerland two years after we'd arrived back in the UK. And we're now sort of talking 2010 to 2011. Pixie had been born when she was around one. Off he went to Switzerland and, and I'm stuck with no money in the UK, a handful of clients, and I even flew. He, he said, well, why don't why don't you come and move to Switzerland? So I flew to Switzerland and had a look at, was I going to move the kids to yet another country? In the end, I took the view that the best thing to do when you've got a cheating husband who's a control freak, the only thing to do is to get as close to him as possible so that I would at least know what he was doing. So I moved us back to Munich. He was in Switzerland, and I moved two very unhappy older children and a baby to Switzerland. Uh, sorry, to Munich. We moved back. We were there for two years. So we'd done four years back in the UK. So we'd done 2008 to 2012 in Surrey, not London. So again, remember, I, had, I knew nobody in Surrey. So it was like isolation again, et etc. et cetera. And we moved back to Munich. So I had to go back to the place where my business had gone, where everything, you know, I'd had a sort of a position of authority and established Established life, it was all gone. And I moved back to chaos. Um he was in a different country. and unbeknown to me, when we left the u k the first time, he had financially destroyed us when we arrived, and we had been in Munich all those years, that when i then we went back to Surrey, we had difficulties trying to sort of re-establish financially, which again, this is all news to me because he'd always sort of looked after that side of our life. and I'd looked after, you know, the kids yeah. raising quite a traditional setup. And then we went to, um, my goodness me, back to Munich, no business, three kids, no husband, and it just was hell. And I don't really want to go too much into those years because that's when I, um, 2014, February the 14th, Valentine's Day, I just said, that's it.
0: I can do this no more. Because it's interesting. Because when you've been uh, exposed to a narcissist, and, and people who haven't will, will not get their head around this. But the narcissist, they're predatorial. So, so they they will control you. They will make you believe that everything is your fault. They will gaslight everything. They, 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 are, they are never wrong. Uh, and, and and they will they will actually try and change you as a person they'll, they'll, they'll convince you that there's something wrong with you that you'll need therapy and that, my men, you
1: know that i had mental yeah, health issues be, that be, be, there'll be, be all of
0: and be all that, that. Uh, and, and, and 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 obviously absolutely. in this instance as well quite common in a grandiose narcissist uh that as he had a status uh in his career he would use that against you as well laura i imagine so um you know, and and it's and, and anybody, anybody who's been the victim of a narcissist, what's happening is, internally, is that our gut knows. Our gut knows. But because, we, oh, because yeah. we're in the spell and the web of the narcissist, our heart loves that person. And we're telling ourselves, it's okay, they, they're going to change. They're lovely. They, they do love me, really. And they're going to change. Always looking, you're always hoping. You're absolutely,
1: you know, you're always hoping. You know, this was the man that, you know, to this day, you know, probably still is, you know, my, the person that I've loved the most in a relationship, and it is it, It's so incredibly soul destroying and damaging on so many different levels, and my entrepreneurial spirit you know he he knew that i would always pull us as a family out of whatever he threw at us he knew that my children would always be cared for and loved he knew that no matter what he did to me i i would bounce back and then if we roll forward i i um left him and he informed me that over his dead body would i be able to take the children out of germany and I had to go to court for three months. I was denied permission by him. I had to have permission from him to take my children back to England and he denied it. So I went to court and. Everybody at the time, it was an unheard of situation that an ex, you know, a a non-German would be able to remove children from the country. You know, I'm sure if people are listening, you know, anything about this sort of international custody cases, it's complex. It's a nightmare. And the person that's not from the country rarely, rarely wins. And we had three months of taking my three children through court, each one having to be, you know, represented by their own lawyer and psychiatrist. It was horrific. And I won. And I won the rights. Yeah. And in April, um, I got to Manchester, which isn't my, my natural home, with three children and a suitcase. My family had... My parents had relocated to Manchester. My brother was already here. And they said, we can't support you in London. We're going to help you. Let's just get you out. And it was literally day by day. You know, it's, I arrived here. I mean, I was absolutely broken. Um, you know, the judge shook my hand and said to me, take those babies back to England and never look back. He said, ne-, and I
0: never forget his words. Yeah. He said, never look yeah. back, only look and, forward. And, and, yeah, and that's really critical. When we make the decision to break from the narcissist, it has to be that break, that, that don't look back, because the way that they, their predatorial mindset works is that they're, they are, they, they just, they're just waiting for you to make that slight bit of contact, because that's when they'll start to hook you again. And and I must say, Laura, I mean, I mean, I mean, you're telling me this story, and it's incredible. But but where were you right now in your head, in your physio- physiology? You know, where were you physically, mentally? Because that is. I mean pe- broken. people nobody, it broken. Nobody, it was massive. Nobody can comprehend, as you say, what you're doing is you're 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 in, in a legal process, which which is awful wherever you are in the world, when, especially when children are involved, you
1: know, in a country. different country,
0: basically against a system which has this hasn't happened before. So when you get in the UK, you must you must you no, must have breathed, is, yeah. but you also must have been bloody exhausted. I was broken. Um I was absolutely
1: mentally and physically broken, but let's not forget that my children still needed a mother. I needed to get three children, three different, very different children into school. Pixie still had her health issues. The other two had um, their own um, issues going on, which I don't want to go into too much detail about any of that because it's very private, but we went through hell and I have a very, very supportive family. It took me five years of international legal battles to divorce Jeez. him it took two years for him to release some of my possessions I'd, i had been with him for 18 years 16 years marriage and 18 years together so we had a life of belongings and experiences and knowledge and information which i had no access to and you know friends and family you know i i for the first time in my life, I'd lived an affluent life that I'd built and worked hard for my entire working career. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm buying my children clothes in charity shops. I'm knocking on people's doors and asking for furniture. I never, ever went down the route. It wasn't something that I knew. So I never went down the route of going and getting social housing. I just didn't know that life. All I knew was that I had to work to put food on the table, to get my children a home. So from day dot, I started to build, you know, this online um, uh, JMA, which was, you know, it was it was sort of a media agency online where we were fighting anti-Semitism, and I pulled in incredible writers from all over the world. And at the same time, I was building my digital clients. And two years after arriving in Manchester, I launched. Social sugar I never stopped working Ian I, I've always worked and paid for my children. I've never taken anything from the government. I just worked and I started off from a kitchen table getting digital clients. I I kind of created this new you know I didn't really know what I was doing I learned it all you know social media I've been marketing on Facebook ever since it started. I'd been building my my digital and my social media presence creating a brand sharing to people about this phenomenal crap that i've been going through people were saying to me oh my god we never knew that this was what your marriage was like you know we didn't know what you were going through and i never wanted to be that woman. i've never been of a victim mentality. you know victim yeah. mentality i never i didn't want sympathy i wanted to say to people look what i've got through you can do yeah. this you know i have seen bottom of life looks like when you've lost mm-hmm. everything. I have seen it. I have had you know nothing, absolutely nothing. You know my children who've been shell shocked and had more schools and more house moves and and so it's gone on. And um, then I built and ran my successful agency, which was Social Sugar, until 2019 when. I'd managed to divorce him remotely. That, I'm um, again, an absolute minefield. Four different lawyers. It cost me over £20,000. And you want to know how I raised that money? I had to sell jewellery. I had to sell family heirlooms that I had inherited. I had to work, um, again, I paid for it. So my children, unfortunately, went without. They didn't have the private schooling that they'd had internationally in Germany. They didn't have the fancy designer clothes they were used to. We didn't live in the big six-bedroom six house with the, you know, with the Mercedes and everything that my kids were used to. Every penny I had was spent on either our rent, feeding my kids, clothing my kids, and fighting the divorce. So everything that I earned went into fighting the divorce. And finally, um, 2019 came. It was the the year of getting him actually finally to come over and be present in a court case where we could get some sort of financial agreement in place. He'd had nothing to do with the children um, and my weight had increased through all of this time. My mental health took a beating. I just got a bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, I was comfort eating. I was drinking far too much. I was eating far too much. And I'd also hit menopause. Oh. And it was like this perfect storm of freaking chaos <laughs> by twenty nineteen. I'm like
0: you, 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 I remember well, totally you remember that year well you remember that year well, Laura. <laughs>
1: No, it was like 2019. I had 10 staff. I had this booming agency, but I just couldn't spin all the plates in. And then I went to an event with a client and I fell and I broke my hand. And I'm in court, in divorce court with barristers, with this arm in a plaster cast in the summer of June 2019 with yet another business. I had three clients who had not paid the business and I was taking them to court. And eventually he wanted to destroy me and I just went... That's enough. I can't do this anymore. And I just stepped out of life. I just said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not doing social sugar. I'm not doing this bullshit. I said to the barrister, sign whatever you want. Get rid of him. I will walk away with nothing. No spouse or maintenance. Nothing. Never mind he hasn't paid a penny of maintenance for five years. You know, he did at the very beginning. Then he didn't. It's like... It's only money, I need it all to stop. So I signed the papers, got the divorce, I closed down social sugar well actually i tried to close it down we were starting to go into we'll, we'll get to the pandemic um i just thought, i can't do it anymore i just everything just blew they they took away my car and you know i ended up in financial mess
0: and i just said okay i'm just going to put my and, and he was happy to to do this he didn't say actually do you know what look you're the mother of my children i haven't been really supportive uh, in, in basically his narcissism peaked again
1: Oh, he didn't peak. He fought me all the way through. He brought lawyers against me. You know, one of the main lawyers had been the best man at my wedding. You know, the, the things that were done to me and, you know, I, I questioned, you know, What the hell have I done to deserve being treated like this? I've been a great wife and, you know, you question yourself and I've done this and I've worked all the way through and i kept the house clean and I never asked for much and I was the life and soul of the party and what did I do and maybe I put a bit of weight on, maybe I didn't put enough weight on. It was like all these sort of constant questions. He knew that I was always going to feed the children. You know, he will tell you to this day, he knew... Um, that I would make another business, which, I, you know, he just knew because that's how the entrepreneurial person that I am, he knew his children would never go mm-hmm. hungry. I have an incredibly supportive family. And I have to sort of say that a lot of this would not have been possible if I didn't have my mm-hmm. family emotionally mm-hmm. supporting me. Mm-hmm. And there was some, there was financial support. My brother had clear debts that he had left. I couldn't untether myself from the en- en- enmeshed situation of financial destruction and my brother had to sort of pet clear debts to enable me to even get a bank account when we came when we came back in you know after i'd left him in 2014 so this trail of financial and emotional and coercive control just carried on and carried on anyway roll forward we get to christmas 2020 uh, 2019 I am, you know, I'm turning 50. I'm training with a PT. I'm like, you know what? I have seen what rock bottom of shit looks like. I am not. I've come this far. My children are safe. I know I can build a business. I know that I can do this. I'm a clever woman. I'm not going to let this man break me. Yes, I've put on loads of weight. Yes, I'm going through menopause. Yes, I have literally lost my marbles with anxiety and insomnia and all of the crap that the menopause was throwing at me i'm going to bring change what can i do and i looked at lots of different things and i thought what is the one thing that i have always
0: done my entire life and that is introduce people create opportunity you see i always say that there's two ways our minds can go when we're in these dark moments we can either go into the dark and pull the, you know, metaphorically speaking, pull the duvet over and think, oh, life's treated me bad, and oh dear, you know, that's the way it's going to be. Or you can just boom and just if you've done it, if you've done it, if you've done it once, you can do it again. Even if you haven't done it once, when you do it the first time and you start to realise it can be done, you just get on with it. Many, I think, I
1: think a lot of people who I have spoken to over the years who have, have uh, people have come to me for help advice, guidance, and you know, not everybody can cope with pain and suffering the way that I have done. Not everybody, you know, I have been broken. It would be unfair to gloss over how broken i have been and how i have had to you know i have had to get mental help i've had to have antidepressants i've had to see therapists you know i didn't just bounce around and you know it was all happiness and aren't i amazing you know i i have been to hell and back i've literally been on a journey i've been to to hell and back i've seen um i've seen the dark side is is how i say it and But I I just fueled me. It just fueled me. It just, you know, I think what fueled me ultimately, Ian, is that I had three children and quite a lot of pets because there's always been dogs and cats knocking around that needed me to feed them, pour a roof over their head. And they were my guiding light, you know, my literally my guiding light. And um, I just knew that I just didn't want to fail them. And, you know, they. I'm pleased to say that I managed to get my children through it. I have had, I've paid on my own. I've had two children through university. Um, I've raised them. I may not necessarily have got it all completely right. Um, And I decided I was going to be a matchmaker and I didn't know what that meant and I didn't know what it looked like. But 2020, February, it it was coming up to another anniversary of when I left him. It was coming up to my daughter Pixie's birthday in 2020, she was 10 and I decided I'm going to be a matchmaker and I'm going to build a new business. And because of my digital marketing knowledge, uh, I was able to get the most phenomenal domain, which is the matchmaker.uk. I know, amazing, which meant that every single search on Google for matchmaker comes to my website. Boom, we went into the pandemic. We go into lockdown, the whole world tilts again. It's like, how how is this? 2008, I come back to England, the world's on its arse. 2020, I mean, you just couldn't even write it. And everywhere I looked around me, businesses are collapsing, businesses are furloughing, nobody knows what to do, the world has completely crashed, we're locked down. For me, it was the perfect storm. I'm like, hang on a minute, I'm locked in my house with my three most favourite creatures on earth. I can drink and eat as much as I want. And I can build this new business, so I did. I'm in menopause. I'm g- I get bigger and bigger and bigger. I pile on more weight. I end up on TV. I'm in the Real Housewives of Cheshire as the celebrity matchmaker. I'm on the BBC as the Pandemics Love Queen. The PR machine is happening. It's what I do. It's what I know. Amazing. So I'm building this new baby, if you like. So that year, also. As well, I, I had had to take bankruptcy to get away from everything. So I came out of bankruptcy in the October of 2020, limited my company, um, rebuilt, grew it. It's now three years old. Um, I worked my butt off, but at the same time as working my butt off and doing building this incredible business, I decided I was going to transform myself mentally and physically so I have been on a four-year journey of transformation and I've lost just shy of seven stone and I am completely rebuilt physically and mentally you know I've worked with a transformation coach I've worked with a PT um, I have changed my mindset and I've built a business whilst raising my kids and bringing myself through the craziest time with the pandemic but also I've brought myself through mentally and physically to where I am today. So I, I have maintained this weight now for eighteen months. So this is not, you know, I managed to. I hit this weight. Took two years of battle to even lose one, one pound. But that's a whole other. That's
0: that's a whole menopause. That's got it. So that requires its own space. That that chaos. If we pause for a second there, Laura. Obviously, you know this story is fascinating. But there's so many pivotal points where a lot of people would have just said, you know what. <sighs> I'm done, you know, and and, and and they either would have stayed in a loveless marriage, or, or, or and just been been at the hands of a narcissist. But there's so many pivotal points here that I'm hearing from you where Laura Bestbro just doesn't lie down. <laughs> she just doesn't lie down. And, 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 what, and what a time to launch a business! And I've, I, I this little quirky phrase came to me just uh, a couple of days ago, because a friend of mine was talking about uh, their business. And I was saying, oh, the thing is, you know, now the interest rates and the economy's going, taking a downturn. I said, well, you know what, well, you know, if you look at it from a different lens, and I'll, I'll read this, this phrase, it's uh, people, are, I'm happy for people to use it as much as possible, obviously. When the economy dies, it's time to shine because oh, yeah. in difficult times, there is, there is opportunity. And you, 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 could have, you could have seen Matchmaker, registered the, 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 the domains and everything else, and thought, oh, Jesus, now there's a pandemic. Oh, and you could have come up with a ton of reasons why not to. But actually, you flipped it and said, let's do it. I had my oldest child doing the
1: homeschooling of my youngest child. I had my son who did his A-levels that all got cancelled and then he resat them. Then my son worked in his bedroom and got himself an incredible job. He took a year out and he worked. He helped, helped me pay the bills because we had nothing, you know. It was like we were starting all over again. Um, and I worked for the first six months on the business free of charge. You know, I, I test marketed how to do it. And then my son built the first website. I mean, when I look back, it's just incredible what, what we managed to do. And and we, for us as a family unit, it was an incredible time. Um, it was an incredible time of growth and growth and ongoing development. And, you know, my, my children
0: thrive off my entrepreneurial spirit can i ask you a question it's just this is, this has is just yeah. occurred to me as well when you launched the kindergarten all those years ago in munich and then you've launched your other businesses and now you've got uh, the matchmaker uk there's a very very common thread here you haven't had a bucket load of money behind you when you're launching those business businesses to use the no. word bootstrap is actually an understatement when we talk about you, you in those environments do you think do you think being the entrepreneur that you are, that's actually helped you because you've—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's a had to succeed scenario, isn't it? You have to be hungry.
1: You have to be hungry, and I—I I, I am not afraid of hard work. You know, I, I haven't had—you know no, nobody gave me grants and loans and business startups. I've never had. Any of that support or help i've had to wing it and beg borrow, and steal and sell things and, and and have side hustles you know i never just did those jobs i always had other ways you know i was always constantly thinking of different ways that i could bring money in to be able to pay this off to do that um and it's i suppose i always sort of say you've got to be a bit of a hustler um you've got to have that hunger and that yeah. drive that you know and i think as well these things don't happen overnight i mean anybody who there is no quick fix to losing weight to getting rich <laughs> you know you don't just put something on social media become an influencer and make millions you have to get your head down and graft and graft you know what i mean by graft you've got to do the hours you know i i sleep small amounts of hours my kids will tell you, you know, I'm they'll, they'll probably tell you that I am probably a bit of a crap mum when it comes to uh, paying for their school trips and doing the homework with them and ironing their clothes because they they all had to learn to do that yeah. themselves. From you know, they all you know, we've got a great video <laughs> of Pixie in the pandemic, age 10, bringing me coffee, learning, teaching herself, probably, you know probably not the right thing to a 10 year old you know do all that but but she did and she went on youtube she she taught herself how to fry an egg poach an egg and she used to they all bring me food and and sort of fuel the mama machine if you like and so that set my kids up for life you know my my son has been doing his laundry since he was 13 you know he has an incredible um work ethic he's worked prior to the pandemic through he's kept his job Through
0: the pandemic, you know he has a bilingual international role with with parcels. Yeah, they also have this 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 understanding. You don't get anything for nothing. You strike me as the type of person that you're not saying to your kids, "Oh, what you want ten grand? Yeah, here it is." Then you know they they know the they they know they know the value of money. They know the value of money but they
1: also know that this business is my last business and this is a legacy business. This business is their inheritance. They know that um, so my eldest daughter Phoebe has finished university and now works in the business. My son is about to finish um, his last year in university and will go off and and probably live in a different country. He's probably going to go and move to the States and will be very successful and my youngest daughter um, already talks about university to them. It's the it's not about university. It's about they—they they know to proceed in life, you must constantly be learning and developing, and nothing will ha- be handed on a plate. You know, they know that I have been their mother and their father through all of this time. Just to sort of heart back to my ex-husband, um, he never financially supported them. He never emotionally supported them. He chose not to be in their life um, and has lived afar. And I have spent all of this time taking them to him trying to keep the to keep it going and i can proudly say that i bat mitzvahed my daughter at 13 and i enabled and paid for it all and had my ex-husband and his family in attendance which was the first time that they had stepped foot in any environment close to my family or or his children and i did that i'm proud to say that happened And I can also tell you that I have matched my ex-husband. I have organized an international date for my ex-husband. Did you warn them what was coming or you just... No, you know, because as I will tell you, you know, one man's gold is another man's coal. You know, it's who's to say that people repeat the behavior. I'm I'm not one to live in the past. Maybe it was just me that brought it out of him. Who knows? Unfortunately, he is still narcissistic in his behavior towards my children. Um, and I we, we've all learned a great deal of things. But I'm pleased to say that he I've worked really hard all of these years to try and maintain that relationship. It's been very hard the older two now have their own um, formed opinion of their father and unfortunately my youngest daughter's not that keen to have anything sure. You know, sure. she's not that first he's not been sure. there for her know him um, but, but moving forward with regards to you know the way that the business has evolved I am able to say to my clients you know I know what you've been through my team, know how to work with you because we have experience i have an incredible team and we know how to work with people looking for a relationship i understand the date apps i understand what it's like being lonely and i understand what it's like with the complexity of modern dating of which i would like to sort of consider myself an expert because i've spent years not only in it but also studying it i'm an international certified matchmaker so unlike lots in this country who call themselves matchmakers they're not certified you know it's a bit like being you know i don't know a coach and it's the difference between a doctor injecting botox and a hairdresser injecting botox you know it's i've done i've trod the boards i am a certified matchmaker
0: and lara i i I know you made me smile when you said, you know, my kids know I'm up early and they know I'm up late. And Because you and I, to, to arrange this session together, it was like very difficult because of your busy, busy schedule. And I'm an early bird, as you know. And I was like, oh, here's Laura. She's p- p- ping me a message on LinkedIn. It's like... I don't know, quarter to six in the morning. And I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, I'll ping her back. And, and then there yeah. will do, do another one at like 11 o'clock at night. And I'm like, oh no, actually, Laura, I'm, I'm checked out now. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm
1: it's <laughs> like, I sleep because I have to, not because I want to. It's like, you know, sleep, sleep for me is like, oh God, all right then. I'll do that for six hours. Um, and uh, I have learned to, I, you know, if I need to, I will power nap during the day. What um, I do. You know, what like I do, yesterday. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have to go and sort of like, I'll just say to everybody, uh, you know, and sometimes I I make them empty. You know, if I have a meeting booked in, I'll be like, cancel that. I have literally got to go and do a power up for 20 or 40 yeah. minutes. Um, that's just how my brain yeah. requires and it. And actually, actually, interestingly <laughs>
0: enough, um, I was listening to one of the radio stations and they were having this um, uh, dialing about, about napping. We'll, we'll just digress on this one for a second, Laura, because I think you're going to give exactly the same answer as me. And, and this guy had over, overheard a conversation in a bar and he said, and the guy said, yeah, so I went for a little nap for four and a half hours and, and the listeners were dialing in saying, that's a sleep, right? A nap, a power, a power nap yeah. is 20, 40 minutes max.
1: 20 minutes. Twenty minutes. Twenty minutes. Done. Recharge. That's recharge. Back. Go. Boom.
0: Again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. That's four and a and that's half hours of sleep, asleep, right? It is, isn't it? It's not. It's not a nap. Well, that's like a, that's a
1: sleep. <laughs> Goodness me, that is a proper full on. If I went down for four and a half hours, they'd be they'd be
0: like knocking on the door course, and checking I was okay. It was like, where's she gone? You're an, you're an enigma. You're an amazing woman, and your energy is just coming over to me you know even though we're not in, even Thank though we're you. not in the same room you've said already matchmaker uk you want to take this on the journey that this is a strong enough business to continue and it already is phenomenal it's international i mean you're doing some amazing work where is the future that for for, for you laura where is the future for you because it sounds like you're going to transition away at some point
1: i um so with regards to the business um I, you know i love it I, i've already said i'll probably be a matchmaker until i'm can no longer work it, i don't intend on any new businesses um, I'll be a matchmaker till t- till I die, for want of a better word. Um, I have already started to expand. I do coach. So, I you know, I, I am a date coach. Um, and I also do sort of consult on new matchmaking businesses. People come to me and ask for business advice. But I also give business advice. I also give personal advice freely. It's what, what I love to do. Um, you know, I am single. So I am on a journey myself with regards to um, self-discovery and relationships, etc., and you know it's like do do i have the time for me so my i've worked through myself mentally and physically so i suppose for me probably what's next might be to find the right sort of partner for myself might be that's kind of where i'm at
0: um but it's kind of watch this space when we publish this episode there'll be lots of links to your 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 LinkedIn, your business to so the Matchmaker UK, but, but you know, but is, is there an obvious place people should go to? You know, if they're listening to this right now and they're thinking, oh yeah, you know, I would, I would like to be uh, uh, introduced to somebody in a much better way. Uh, where where should they go to? You know, if
1: they want to work with myself and my bespoke team, um, you know, then I have a complimentary conversation with anybody and the, the way to access my diary to book in that complimentary call just to talk about you and your life and what it is that you're looking for is to head to our website which is thematchmaker.uk on the inquiry page throughout the website, you can find out all about what we do. Um, look at our client testimonials. You can look at uh, booking a call with me, but you can also look on Trustpilot at our reviews. You can look at Google at our reviews, or you can look for me, Lara Besbrode, right across all social media. Um, I respond to every message myself.
0: Closing st- closing That's statement, it? I think, Lara, um, I've really enjoyed this session. Um, and, i want you to just think i always like to my guests to try and leave some sort of inspirational element to 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 what they've spoke about and what they've shared with us uh, today and, and your story has certainly been one of many many twists and, and 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 turns and and horrific experiences as well can you leave us with just a a pearl of wisdom that that you know perhaps when people are thinking about for example you know when life's not great when it's really challenging uh, when, when they don't think that there's there's any light at the end of the tunnel. Can you share a pearl of wisdom for us?
1: The way that I've got through all of this um, is I have a tattoo actually on my arm that I had done in Tel Aviv. Um, I had tattoos very late in life and it's translated from Hebrew and the words are, this too shall pass. And that has been, that is my my motto in life, you know, it, it, it will stop, it will pass, and you will get through it. And I only have to look at my arm to remind myself, or it's, it's in my head. Um, and I also, in my, my most recent quote on my social media is, it's better to be kind than to be right. And I also believe in that as well. So that's kind of my,
0: my two quotes. What a wonderful way to wrap today, Um Laura Bestbrode, it's been an absolute pleasure being in the studio with you and you don't live far from me so we'll probably uh, bump into each other. Definitely. Next time we should do it in person. You take care. I'll I'll see you soon. Bye, Laura. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. I think you'll agree that was quite a story. Join me again for next week's episode of Ian Beaton's So What's Your Story? If you enjoyed this episode it meant something to you or maybe you think a friend or a loved one might like to listen to it too, go ahead and share it with them. Remember, if you have a story you'd like to share, or perhaps you know someone who does, I invite you to join me on my podcast. I can be contacted by email, web, or social. Thank you. You've just listened too, so watch your story.